This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Friday, the 8th of December. You're listening to The Morning Run on this rather lovely Friday morning. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. and Anwar Mahbob. We're going to kickstart the day with a look at how global markets closed overnight. The Dow closed up 0.2%. S&P 500 was up 0.8%, while the Nasdaq was up 1.4%. On the Asian front, Nikkei was down 0.8%, Hang Seng was down 0.7%, Shanghai Composite was down 0.1%, the STI was down 0.4%, and our very own FBM KLCI was down 0.2%. So it really is a tale of two halves, yeah. Green on the U.S. side, uh, bread on the Asian side. But we're going to get more insights on where international markets are heading. We have on the line with us Laurent Lecue, independent market researcher. Laurent, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us today. Now, the Magnificent Seven, consisting of Apple, Microsoft and others, have been largely responsible for keeping the S&P 500 afloat this year. But talk to us about the other 493 companies in that index. Are there any bullish picks among them as we look ahead to 2024? Good morning. Thanks for having me again on your show. Well, if we look back what happened in 2023, uh, the narrative was all around AI and the Magnificent Seven. These have been the key beneficiary also of the Fed monetary uh, policy tightening because these companies have a net cash balance sheet and so they benefited from higher interest rate. If we look for The other 493 companies, clearly there's another sector that has historically been negatively correlated with IT is energy. So today energy is once again unloved, but would the oil price rebound from here? I think that this is a sector that is quite attractive for the next year. And on other sectors, I would say that investors will have to continue to focus on quality companies with a moat. And here I refer to companies that are able to generate uh, earnings growth uh, above inflation in any kind of economic environment. So you can find all these companies in sectors like uh, uh, industrials, aerospace defense and everything that is related uh, to the reindustrialization of the U.S. Now, although the Nikkei 225 index is at a record high, its trailing PE is about 18 times, a lot lower than the end of 2020 when it was 31 times. Now, does this mean that Japanese stocks have further room to trade upwards? And where do you think its PE ratio should be trading at? Well, the Japanese equity markets look attractively uh, valued, but but here uh, you have to keep in mind that uh, what is important is uh, the FX rate between Japanese yen and US dollar. So yesterday we saw a sharp move of appreciation of uh, the Japanese yen because uh, going forward, uh, the Bank of Japan is likely to tighten its monetary policy, while other central banks are more likely to be on hold, meaning that if we see further strengthening of the Japanese yen, earnings growth for Japanese corporates will be under threat. And let's just turn our attention back to the US. Do you think the Fed will raise or hold rate steady at next week's FOMC meeting? Well, since the November FOMC meeting, uh, most FOMC members have emphasized uh, to investors that uh, now the Fed is dependent on on the bond vigilantes or the market to achieve the the 2% inflation target. So we have seen over the past few weeks uh, financial condition uh, easing quite dramatically. 
so this is clearly uh, not a good news uh, for the Fed. So the Fed <laughs> could be forced uh, to finish the job to reach the 2% inflation target. I would say that next week uh, it's most likely to be on hold. The focus once again will be on the dots uh, that and we 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 will see that if the dots are a bit more hawkish uh, than they were in September. What do you make of I suppose expectations of when the US Fed might cut interest rates? Uh, do you think that they'll do that sooner rather than later? What kind of data points will the Fed be looking at in coming up in making that decision moving forward do you think? Well, if you remember in previous show, I mentioned that the the U.S. is kind of in a trampoline landing situation. So we have seen quite weak economic data over the past few weeks. And this is because of uh, the tight financial condition we had over the summer. But as I said, uh, this financial condition has eased uh, since November. So what we are likely to see in the first quarter and the first months of uh, 2024 is an improvement in uh, the economic data since the animal spirit of the consumer has been tickled uh, once again. So I don't think the Fed uh, will, will cut and uh, for sure not as aggressively as the market anticipate since uh, it still need uh, to reach its 2% inflation target. And, and to do so, uh, we need to see tighter financial conditions or we need the Fed to even uh, raise weight again uh, maybe in uh, February or March. Now, given that US Treasury yields are probably at their peak, now why haven't we seen more of a pile-on into them? After all, 5% yield risk-free over 10 years seems pretty attractive. Well, I think here yeah, the, the main issue uh, remains the incoming supply of treasuries uh, in the next uh, few months, and especially in 2024. The US government will have to refinance 7 trillions of maturities in 2024. So this on a total debt of 211 trillion around there. So clearly you have a, a massive uh, refinancing uh, coming. Uh, so in... Uh, November as well here, uh, the U.S. Treasury kind of used a trick and decided to focus on short-dated uh, T-bills uh, rather than a coupon uh, for this quarter. Uh, but uh, this trend is unsustainable. So uh, I think that the market uh, will have to cope with more uh, supply at uh, the long end of the curve, meaning that uh, we could see a rebound in uh, this uh, long-dated uh, Treasury yields. And so investors really have this wall of cash, right? I mean, $5.8 trillion of, you know, money market funds and all these short-dated bills. Do you think they're going to stay put there next year? Well, for now, this cash has mostly been used to finance these uh, T-bills. Uh, I guess it depends of the, of the economy. As I said, I'm not as uh, negative on the U.S. economy as the consensus. I think the U.S. economy is still very resilient. We will see more fiscal stimulus threat of the U.S. presidential election. So this could be a reason uh, to pile in more into the stock market uh, rather than in the bond market. Laurent, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Laurent LeCue, independent market researcher, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, commenting there that he tends to be a little bit more positive on the U.S. economy compared to other commentators. We are going to be looking at a couple of earnings results, though, that are counter to, I suppose, his optimistic view of the U.S. economy. But uh, certainly there are so many different factors to be looking ahead to.
I think what I think is interesting is the inflation number, right? We, we've seen oil prices drop so low. So, of course, naturally things that that's also helped contribute to where you see this dampening of the inflation number. But really, services inflation has been very good. It's just that the goods inflation has been very much lower. And he has a very interesting view that how Fedres, he's very conservative that it would, the cut won't be that big. All right. I think, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see for that. But let's turn our attention to some of the earnings reports that have crossed our table. Looking at Broadcom, because their shares fell as forecast for 2024 revenue failed to impress investors. And they also posted their slowest sales growth since 2020 as it tries to pull out of an industry-wide slump. Now, they just completed the acquisition of VMware for more than $60 billion US dollars this year. They they saw their revenue grow by 4% to $9.3 billion, but this was still below estimates of $9.4 billion. On an adjusted basis, profit of $11.06 per share beat expectations of $10.98, and sales in chip business was $7.33 billion in the fourth quarter. Now, this was in line with estimates, while infrastructure software revenue came in $1.97 billion, exceeding projection of $1.94 billion. Now, you're wondering actually, what does Broadcom do? Actually, they provide key components for iPhones and custom chips for Google, but really they've suffered a decelerating growth, no thanks to sluggish demand for computers and smartphones. I think this was also a very interesting question, you know, Shaz, you posed to Laurent, uh, the first question, right? You see this Magnificent 7 do well on the services side, but what about the rest of the manufacturing industry, right? And that's kind of inter- interconnected here. Uh, and whether or not we see that renaissance taking place next year, right? Because we did see a dip in manufacturing across many economies this year. So that's something to be keeping an eye out on. Uh, Just a couple more notes on Broadcom. They forecast annual adjusted EBITDA of about 60% of projected revenue, which comes out to be around $30 billion. And that's an increase of $7 billion from 2023 EBITDA. So uh, we'll keep an eye on Broadcom. But meanwhile, Lululemon, they also are forecasting a rather tepid uh, fourth quarter outlook, even though there was strong demand in the third quarter. But uh, customers seem to be cutting back uh, on their spending in terms of premium apparel. The company saw a significant 19% year-on-year increase in revenue to $2.2 billion, mainly thanks to the 49% surge in international sales. Sales in North America jumped 12%. Total comparable sales grew by 13%, while direct-to-consumer net revenue saw an 18% increase. Can I just say Shouting and myself contributed to that 49% <laughs> surge in international sales. Why am I not surprised? I really love their ABC pants. It really <laughs> is comfortable. I was wearing it actually the past week. All right. Well, there you go. That's the plug for Lululemon. So internationally, <laughs> they seem to be doing well. But again, investors are not that bullish on their prospects moving forward. A tepid fourth quarter growth despite the festive season, I suppose. If you look at what their forecast is, they expect sales to be between 3.14 to 3.14. $1.7 billion for the fourth quarter. This is lower than what analysts anticipate of $3.18 billion. Well, this is a sign of athleisure. Where are we heading to, right? Perhaps as we return back to the offices, you can't wear your slacks anymore. No, no more ABCD pants. Are you wearing ABCD pants today? Not today. Not today. All right. Well, it's 7.18 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but we'll come back to look at more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.